Ever want to know what we talk about behind the scenes? Want someone to tell you what to read next? Look no further. We've got you covered. Settle in for bookseller conversations, book recommendations, bookish and bookstore news. Eavesdrop as we talk to authors, get to know our booksellers, and dive deep into some of your favorite books, our reading habits, and other biblio mysteries. We're heading behind the bookshelf. It's Emmy here at Country Bookshelf. Today we'll be visiting Emmy and Jess's Romance Corner with a little introduction to the genre to begin celebrating Romance Month and get you excited about Bookstore Romance Day on Saturday, August 20th. We're heading behind the bookshelf. Woohoo! Welcome to a little segment we're calling Emmy and Jess's Romance Corner. I'm Jess. I'm Emmy. And we are both big fans of the genre and wanted to share that love with all of you. We'll share great romance recommendations while we break down some of our favorite tropes and subgenres. And this is just always a lovely place to hang out when you want to feel cozy. So I think, first of all, we should kind of talk about what is a romance novel and how it's different from other genres. The Romance Writers Association of America says that a romance novel is contains a central love story and has an emotionally satisfying happy ending. And that's it. It can be any tone, style, setting, or sensuality level. And there's a huge variety of subgenres and tropes available in the genre. So there's all sorts of fun things to explore, but the best part, it may be, in my opinion, is a happy ever after. I agree. That promise of it all working out in the end is such a security and so wonderful. I love that. That is what romance uh, genre does. While all writing has tropes, what makes romance as a genre special, besides the guaranteed happily ever after, is the easily communicated shorthand of many of the tropes found in the romance genre enemies to lovers, there's only one bed, and even H-E-A or H-F-N, which is happily ever after or happy for now, respectively. Another thing about romance that I think gives it a bad rap, but I think is actually huge to its success is how is how formulaic the genre can be. I mean, all genres, right, have their tropes and have their formulas. Um, but what I love about romance is right up front, right? They tell you what's going to happen. And the book is still incredible and a super fun time. You know, you know exactly what kind of romance you're getting to. Is it enemies to lovers? Is there forced proximity? Is there my favorite one bed trope? You know, in other genres, you might hear about that and say, oh, it spoiled this for me. But I think it's a strength of the genre to, you know exactly what's going to happen, but still it's played out in such a way that it's still super fun or even like really touching or really wonderful. And romance does a great job of having that really generous security of knowing that it's going to end well. Yeah. I love that. I love that phrasing too, a a generous security in that you know, as a reader that you will be taken care of by the story, which is so nice and comforting. Romance books are character-driven stories that can often be read in a single sitting, 
They plumb the depths of the human psyche in interesting and unexpected ways, allowing the reader to take the skills they watched a character learn and practice and enact them in their own lives, and not just in romantic settings. We'll revisit some of this trope discussion, but I'm curious, why do you read romance? I read romance for lots of reasons. I read romance. I read romance primarily because it makes me very happy. It puts me in a good mood. It, it'll get me out of a reading slump too. I, I joke that I read like really heavy, lit thick. That's, that's kind of traumatizing. And then I levy it out with um, romance, right? So if I'm in a rut or things are feeling heavy or dense, I can just pick up a romance and I know it's going to be fun. Um, I get to see how the author gets to play with the tropes of the genre. It breaks up. Yeah, it breaks up my reading slumps for sure. And it's also just what I turn to when I'm really stressed in life or like if so much is happening. Even if I'm like watching a lot of TV shows, like right, if there's like a lot of content in my life, my life is stressful, things are busy. If I pull up a romance book, I just, like, like you said, I know I'm going to be taken care of. And it's just this really nice, cozy spot that is also super fun and a little bit silly. I feel like I gravitate to romance. Like I was a really, again, surprising no one. I was a really nerdy kid as a child. And so characters were actually like my first friends. I love character driven fiction of all flavors. And I love that that's kind of the point in romance is it's character development, character growth, more so than like, it's not an action based plot. It's an emotion based plot. And I also really love the way that romance is sort of very consent oriented um, and it centers women's pleasure in this really kind of radical way where a women get to have pleasure and like that's the point. And I feel like particularly in the last few years that a happily ever after has definitely been my coping mechanism. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan of not sorry productions. They make podcasts and they have a they have a romance podcast, Hot and Bothered, the Rom Pod. And that's like basically the thesis statement of that whole project is imagining a world where things work out is good for you healing and can and it can be truly radical and I totally agree so we sort of touched on this just a second ago but I'm curious what are your favorite tropes Mm -hmm. favorite tropes I know uh I agree with you grumpy sunshine pairing is very fun. I, a lot of my romance came from fantasy romance. So that is very heavy and there's only one bed. And so that's just near near and dear to my heart. Always. It just, it gives me a giggle. Why do you think there's only one bed is so prevalent in fantasy? Because they're always traveling to an inn. <laughs> I think it's a convenient, <laughs> I think it's convenient to the, to the plot. Because more often, especially in contemporary romance, which is, as we'll talk about, is a lot more of what I read now. Um, people live in their apartment and don't go traveling on horseback and then, and then to one bed. Because what I really love is forced proximity. Um, and what, and like the one bed trope is like the pinnacle of forced proximity. Because I just, I, I, love when in my life and in care and in books when characters get to like really know 
little things about each other, things that you only know with that forced proximity. And as a young person, it definitely was. I mean, I was also a very nerdy kid. And I moved a lot as a young person. So I had to make new friends all the time. And I definitely was convinced that if like, if you just knew all this, right? Like I, I'd gotten almost fatigued with having to reintroduce myself to people. And I was just obsessed with this like close, close intimacy in relationships and friendships and then in intimate relationships. And so I just, I love when everyone gets to know everything it's also why I hate miscommunication trope, like just talk to each other, let it all into the open. I just love like airing out all of your everything and the other person being like, I dig it. That's I'm still into it. You know, forced proximity, probably because I like forced proximity. I like bodyguard trope, although I don't love forced marriage trope or like pretend marriage that's too far for me I think that has to do with my issues with the patriarchy specifically and I feel like the good books with forced marriage or fake marriage really delve like poke at that kind of paternalism associated with that I agree so there, there are good ones out there. I also, Grumpy Sunshine, obviously. And it doesn't matter who, like, I love a grumpy guy. I love a grumpy gal. I love two grumps together. I'm just... How do you feel about two sunshines together? Uh, Sometimes that's a little much. Yeah, that's what I figured. You like the grump. You like the little, like a little sass, a little banter. Yes. Banter generated through a little bit of sass. Yes. I also had forced proximity on my list. And then one of the things that I notice more in romance fiction than in a lot of other fiction, particularly in contemporary romance, I haven't seen like the official designation for it. But one of my favorite podcasters refers to it as competence porn. Mm. <laughs> They're just super good at their job and they're not necessarily looking for like completion through relationship. Like I'm a, I'm a competent human being. Like I'm living my life. Oh, you want to, you know, like go on this journey with me. Great. Let's, let's negotiate that. Let's talk about that and maybe smooch. That's here's the thing. Like romance is written by women for women majority. And I mean, obviously we're talking mostly about straight relationships, right? But generally mask folks, but specifically men, people cultured as men are like, what do they want? I don't know. It's literally written down in hundreds of books, step-by-step um, -step instructions, and they include cooking without asking me 12 questions on how to do something, cleaning without me asking you to do it 800 times, um, showing up with baked goods just because. Um, and I totally agree. It's just competence. Yeah. It, and well, and, and kind of the opposite of that, they just don't talk, is and isn't like... They're not really looking for anything. But then, you know, this grumpy guy shows up. <laughs> Some of the first romances I think I ever, like, specifically read because they were romance. Like, Jasmine Guillory's The Wedding Date. Like, it's the same thing. She's like, I'm totally happy with myself. Like, I'm here for it. I just need to pretend like I have a date at this wedding. And you're in the elevator. So come to this wedding with me. <laughs> See, 
I I consider fake dating to be similar to forced proximity. You know, you're negotiating into a, in a in a proximity that requires a certain level of information sharing, and then you learn more about the other person, and then and then you're and then you're hooked. Then that's it. You're trapped. I love that. Another thing I love about romance is I feel like there's more queer romances coming out, um, and it's a total balm to the trope in non-romance fiction of you know queer tragedy that gay folks die or have you know have heartbreak or like have to just suffer through the whole story and that's their entire arc yeah or the kill your gaze trope hate that trope that's a dumb trope exactly hate that trope. I think that's why everyone is, you know, so excited right now about Heartstopper um, because it's gay love. It's queer love that is just happy and it works. It's a total bomb to what we've been fed um, for so many years of, you know, the kill your gays and the, and the sad queer trope. So that's just very healing. Yes. And I feel like one of the things that I find really exciting about Heartstopper is it's pointing a lot of readers once they finish Heart or get to the end of what's available for Heartstopper. They, they're turning to other romance manga. And I love a lot of the romance manga because it is kind of similar to that sense of competency. Like it's just slice of life. And that just makes my little anthropology heart happy. Like, yes, how do you live in your house? <laughs> yeah and like you were saying like be, being so character driven right it's just watching how people interact and live with things and for me as someone who I'm sure this will shock everyone is relatively uptight about everything to read books where people are more relaxed and happy I'm like I can do that maybe we can try well, and then I feel like watching characters navigate some these relational situations and and working through their emotions and working through their difficulties with communications and things like that, knowing that it's going to turn out okay is really helpful for me as a human being as I try to figure out how to deal with emotions and communicate affect more effectively with the people around me because I'm not guaranteed a happy ending but this great character is <laughs> so I will learn from their mistakes <laughs> totally totally and that's one of the wild things about romance too is because you know it'll end well when it goes wrong it can go so wrong and I'm sometimes just like how are they gonna get out of this hole that they have dug for themselves it is a deep hole and you have that security knowing that they are going to get out but yeah just that curiosity and that learning of how how they're going to work to turn everything around because sometimes it really goes goes it goes bad the whole thing falls apart but but it comes back and we love that so hopefully we've teased everyone enough and they're like, okay, I need to go pick up some romance books. What, what are you loving these days? 
Um, what I'm always telling people to read, because I don't think you can go wrong, is Talia Hibbert, her series, The Brown Sisters. Same. So there's three books. They fall three sisters. You can read them all or one. You don't have to read them in any particular order, which is a very common thing in romance, that you'll follow different characters in the same world, but it's not like a one, two, three kind of trilogy. But I absolutely love, I love the Brown sisters. I wish I could be their friend. And it's, it's just what I love about Talia Hibbert's writing is the relationships are so solid. They feel good, right? They're not like everyone has good and like best intentions and they love each other. And I think there's pretty good communication in it, which we know is something I love. They're nice and steamy, but they're also incredibly cozy. And it's just all around a win. The whole, the whole thing with Tali Hibbert, if someone walks up and they say they've never read romance before, that's where I would send them. And if someone comes up and they've read a ton of romance before, but they haven't heard of Talia Hibbert, boom, that's what I'm giving them. Mm-hmm. What about you? My favorite contemporary romance right now is Book Lovers. I am a huge Emily Henry stan. I She wrote YA romance before she graduated to adult, and I loved several of those books. And then Beach Read came out in 2020, and it was my like pandemic crutch uh, in those early days of the shutdown. So when I saw that she was returning to the book world, as it were, with her new book, Book Lovers, with an agent protagonist, I was just so excited and really felt like it was written for me. So in Book Lovers... It's a literary agent workaholic who goes to this small town um, to kind of rehabilitate herself to living like a zesty life. And she runs into her a nemesis because she's a workaholic. So she has many. Um, She runs into an editor that had turned her down for a book that she was shopping. And he also turns out to be a secret small town bookseller in this little town and it has this kind of fun fish out of water piece where this new like high-powered literary agent from New York is in this small southern town and she's trying to wear heels to go for like to walk across grass and she keeps sinking in and it's just it was the perfect summer read I and much like Beach Read I listened to it and read the book, but I, I don't think I haven't read anything I disliked from an Emily Henry yet. So I feel like the opposite of contemporary though is historical. And they're like the veins, the branches of the historical subgenre are myriad. Yes. And as you know, I tend to turn away from historical romance, partially because so of a big branch of that his of of the myriad of branches is regency romance which is not for me i think i'm well with i understand that like with regency romance right you can have all of these rules that are great for setting up really good tension like this is what it is to be a lady and we can't interact here and you know oh you know there's like a lot of things you have to navigate in a high society life which can be the core of a really good romance, right? It's having that tension and being able to play with it. But 
I'm not going to lie, the I don't care for the gown or the dinners or the not saying exactly what you mean. And so usually historical is not for me, but I do really like if you want to go back in time, um, be historical, but maybe not be classical Regency. I don't read a lot of historical romance. I feel like the closest I might have gotten is like Priory of the Orange Tree, which very much lives in fantasy and is not a real, there's, there's just no electricity. That's what makes it historical. Um, <laughs> there's just castles. It's not actually historical. It's just medieval-esque. I love The Perfect Crimes of Marion Hayes by Cat Sebastian. It's queer. There's crime. It's a good time. I didn't mean to rant, but it, it happened. Yeah. And if, yeah, I just, I, yeah, what, I know you love a good Regency romance. I do. I love a lot of historical romances. Um, I have a degree in medieval history. I started reading the Outlander series when I was 13 and read them like once a year for like 15, 16 years. It wasn't until I started working at the bookstore and like had to keep up with frontless reading that I, I kind of fell out of that habit. So I love, a, you know, a good men in kilts situation. Yeah, there's some Civil War stuff that I enjoy. I've really most recently enjoyed um, Tessa Dare's Girl Meets Duke series, which starts with the Duchess deal. And one of the things that I loved about it was all of the heroines are okay, not all of them. All but one of them is from the working class. Like, like it's this little group of friends and you have uh, a seamstress who is just trying to get paid for a dress she made. And that's how she meets her Duke. Uh, <laughs> there's a urologist or a clockmaker. Um, and she's just trying to find more work. And there's um, an engineer slash baker is the next book coming out. And I, I just want it. I, I'm like, Come on, where is it? I need it. See, this is you. This is you loving the competent character, being like, I live in their life, and oops, romance, and it's great. And you had me read um, Wallflower Wager in that series, which was really fun. Um, where the heroine is slightly of the of the of the upper, I don't know what to call the upper class. The ton, yeah, the upper class. Yeah, is of the upper class, but a little bit pushed to the side, um, partially because uh, she rehabs and adopts a bunch of animals and is so fun. I did like that one. That one was, a, I did, I agree. The Tessa Dare were, were very fun. Yes. Um, I'm also reading right now the Wisteria Society for Lady Scoundrels, which is Victorian romance with some fantastical elements, but is very much like, let's do crimes. Yes, there's all sorts of thieving and assassinations and all sorts of tomfoolery. I'm really enjoying it. Let us commit crime. Oh, well, another subgenre that I know both of us have been reading is paranormal. Um, what have you been reading in paranormal land? 
ooh, paranormal land, everything. The majority, like when we were prepping for this episode and I was like listing out all of my tropes, I was like werewolves, witches, vampires, monsters, like <laughs> anything. Yep. What I love about paranormal is often there's there's just so much lore out there and it overlaps and it branches off. And so like, for example, if, I mean, vampires are always in season, right? You can, you know, a little bit cherry pick what lore and what mythology you want to run with. And so you can set up just such fun parameters for the, for your characters to engage in. And I think creates just a, really cool like situations right that have because of all the variables that that can um that you can play with for example i love it's not out yet but i absolutely love uh court of the vampire queen by katie robert soon it's coming in, in just a few months later this year it comes out um and this is not a romance for i would say maybe someone just getting into the genre um because it goes it goes zero to a hundred like right away, like first five pages. Um, most romances give you that time to build that tension, build that relationship. This one just jives in. It's incredibly fun. I had an amazing time. So vampires, magic, I love it. Um, but yeah, I think the part I love the most is authors can be so creative in where they pull their lore and how they layer it to make the characters have really interesting relationships and, and everything. I think that's why like Greek mythology retellings are huge. I, this is again, circling back to that idea of competency, but the Fix It Witches series by Anna Guire is one that I've really been enjoying. The first book is called Witch Please. Um, I just finished Boss Witch, which is the second book. Obviously, they're both really great at their jobs. Uh, they are witches who run an appliance repair shop. And instead of using, I mean, sometimes they use normal things, uh, but most of the time, they're just like, magic-y-roo, <laughs> here's your blender back. <laughs> and the the world building around this really unique, not, I'm or not unique, uh, but the world building around this little town where they live and the different characters, like, you get a really beautiful slice of life and slice of small town life while also, you know, dodging witch hunters and uh, casting charms and spells. You still have meddling grandmothers, and one of the heroes is the local baker. They refer to him as, the whole town refers to him as the Cinnaman. <laughs> oh, the Cinnaman. He's so soft. So in this one, he's the sunshine. I'm sure, I'm sure she's the grumpy. Yes. I, I mean, he's, he's a soft boy. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily say she's grumpy, um, in Boss Witch, they're both grumpy, and I love it. Like, one thing I don't think we touched on that I totally love about the romance community, and also those of you thinking about getting into the romance um, community, is everyone here is so lovely and so um, happy. And I find it's not a judgmental space. It's very much, you know, don't yuck other people's yums. Um, everyone's just so excited to be reading what they're reading and loves sharing. And I just love that community. I also love the expression, don't yuck other people's yums. I feel like the romance community 
practices that in such a beautiful way in terms of like, oh, you like kissing books? I like kissing books. We like completely different kissing books. Like mine just has kissing and fade to black and you like eight chili peppers worth of spice, but we can still be friends and we can still talk about books and enjoy the things that we enjoy and probably recommend things to each other. (laughs) Totally. And I think it's what you were saying that they, you know, they might seem totally different to someone who's like, oh, well, that one's fade to black. And that one's like, you know, getting close to maybe what some would call erotica, but they're fundamentally stories about people and characters which I think a lot of people don't understand when they hear romance they're like oh it's just for like the steamy bits that's all you read it for it's like well that's fun but these are uh, character-centered stories about relationships and boundaries and consent and growth oh my gosh we love growth incredible we love to see people become well it's almost like you get additional therapy by watching other people go through therapy basically right like huge proponent of therapy I think everyone should enjoy it um (laughs) and have access to it but you know like I can only go to my therapist so many times but there are three bajillion trillion romance books for me to read and I can kind of live vicariously through their therapeutic experiences I agree I agree and I I think that um especially the romance that I read I don't know you know I'm newer to the genre um but I feel like the authors that I've engaged with either like through reading about them or just reading their books it's so obvious that they're being incredibly intentional um, with how, with taking care of their reader and really intentional about th- through how their characters are acting and behaving and learning and inner monologuing um, or calling each other out for their problematic behavior. Um, the authors out there are really, really looking out for their readers, I think, in a really beautiful way. And I feel like that Like it just, it has a really beautiful trickle down effect because the author is taking care of the reader. And so the reader then is able to take care of other readers and it really fosters this beautiful community in such a a kind of unique or not, what's the word? There's a word for it, um, for like not standard, unexpected, not stereotypical, not atypical in in an atypical way. I I wish more creatives cared about their audience the way that romance writers can care about their readers there's there's so much more that we could kind of dive into and keep talking about but um we hope that that is a great start for you to start exploring romance there is a bunch of wonderful opportunities coming up to chat with romance readers with as we celebrate Bookstore Romance Day. So you will hear from us again come a little bit later this month and we will talk more about Bookstore Romance Day and the authors and programming that are scheduled for that. As always, you can visit the show notes to find links to all the titles we mentioned today, as well as Um, Other great recommendations from all of the staff here at Country Bookshelf, as well as links to our beloved digital audiobook partner, Libro FM. Thanks so much for joining us behind the bookshelf. Be sure to check out Emmy and Jess's recommendations for more great romance reads. We'll see you next time behind the bookshelf.